This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series Racing from Kansas. Elimination, that's a word you are going to hear quite a bit today. by Mobile One, Carol Amano, alongside the Mayor Jeff Burton and our crew chief, Steve Letart. We are all here at NBC Charlotte. I know it's casual down here. Man, I tried. I tried to leave the jacket behind. I know, but I just I couldn't do it. I had to grab for it at the end. I'm thrilled to be down here with you guys, especially for today's show, because we have a mission statement for this one. Yeah, six weeks ago, we had 16 drivers. Now we have eight. Eight are happy. And eight are sad. We're going to go through really all 16, or at least all 12, and how four ended their chances last week. Yeah, how did they all get here, and what do they look like moving forward for the, for the eight that are left? It's a whole season, but now it's time to win a championship. Some took, had their chances taken away from them yesterday. Now it's moving forward for the rest. All right, so that's the mission statement. With that, let's begin with Sunday's elimination race at Kansas and take a quick look back. The final race, of course, in the round of 12. Joey Logano was on the pole. Great start to his day, Steve. He had a wonderful start. To be honest, after the excitement at the finish, I forgot how good the day started for the 22. Started on the pole, led almost the entire first stage, eventually winning that stage. The rest of the day was just average eighth place, but all Joey Logano and the 22 needed was average. They advanced. Kyle Larson started in the back after a practice wreck. Massive points deficit coming in as well, Jeff. Everything seemingly stacked against this team really needed to be perfect. Yeah, but they did a really good job. You can see right here Kyle Larson making a big lunge at Ryan Blaney trying to make something happen. And we saw that from Ryan Blaney from the minute they unloaded, but they just didn't have enough speed. Did a great job of clawing their way up into position. You see he and Ryan Blaney not making contact with Ryan in the wall. Both of those guys in the same situation needing a win, Steve, but need to find a way to make it happen. Well, and in the end, I think you saw Kyle maybe overdrive the car because second was not going to be good enough. So uncharacteristic mistakes, but he knew what was ahead of him. After stage one, it was five drivers who were potentially looking to make the next round of the playoffs because Kevin Harvick ended up clinching his spot in the next round after stage one. He would win stage two, but had some problems in the final stage. Yeah, basically what we saw was Kevin Harvick and the 14 come down pit road, leading, controlling the race. They were caught speeding. They had a penalty, and they proved, in my mind, the only team that could beat the four is the four. Second pit road penalty in the last three races that cost the four team a potential win, and once again, Chase Elliott 
benefits. Yeah. Chase Elliott saying, I've seen this before and I can take advantage of it. You know, helped him at Dover win that race and here at Kansas is all once the tee got out front. He drove away from him. Track position is so important. Chase Elliott doing a great job of the things he couldn't do months ago, and that's capitalized. Now he's starting to make it a habit. He'd lead the final 44 laps, his third one of the season, his second in the round of 12. When you look at the playoff leaderboard, same bottom four drivers entering Sunday's race all wound up being eliminated. Ryan Blaney was the first man out by six points. For those who missed the cut, their chances at a title are over. For Chase Elliott, his chances are looking better and better. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Uh, just enjoyed racing with him. I obviously got lucky with with, uh, with Kevin having his penalty. Thought we were really, really equally matched there, and wish uh, wish we could have raced him straight up, obviously. But um, had a great car today. Thanks to Mountain Dew and Matt Bodapart, Chevrolet, all of our partners for uh, for working hard this year, man. It's been a it's been a great couple months. So we got to keep it rolling. This is uh, this is the time of year that counts. Coming into these playoffs, Chase, did you honestly see? two wins in run, one round for this race team. I didn't see why not. I mean, I thought last year we had a uh, we had a pretty solid run at it and and didn't win any obviously, but had some really good runs. So just uh, so proud of, of my race team and, and the pit stops we had today. Allen made some great calls. Uh, we just can't get complacent. I mean, this is a this is a huge time of year. We have a lot of work to do and a long ways to go. So thank you guys for coming out today. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next year. The eight remaining playoff drivers now have their total points reset to 4,000, plus the playoff points that they have earned throughout this season. Elliott earned five more playoff points for this win at Kansas, but he will start the round of eight on the bubble. So the theme of the show, gentlemen, is how we got here. We know how Chase Elliott got to this point, bookended this round with a pair of wins. I'm more interested in his longer road to getting here because listening to our post-race coverage, and you guys did such a great job, his confidence was off the chart, saying that he would have relished an opportunity to race Race Kevin Harvick straight up for the win. I'm not sure we would have heard that not that long yeah. ago. No, I think he would have been happy and would have taken the win. But I think you go back to last round. I mean, Las Vegas was not great for this night car. They finished 36th. But then something changed, and I think it was with their attitude. They came back and finished 4th at Richmond, 6th at the Roval, advanced. And then once they advanced, they went into Dover, and they did what you mentioned during the highlights. They capitalized. They didn't go out and pass many cars for the win, but what they did is they executed. And I think that helps a driver. In my mind, Jeff, whenever I was on top of the pit box and I knew that coming down pit road was going to be an advantage for us or a pit call was going to be an advantage for us, it took some pressure off having a perfect setup or the driver driving a perfect race. And right now the nine is just executed. So I'm going to go even further back to what I think has made Chase Elliott capable of winning races, and that's proven to himself he can do it. Watkins Glen, a champion behind him, the guy that's been winning the road course races, he had to outrun him for a long time. It wasn't a three-lap dash. It was lap after lap after lap. And Chase Elliott had to close the deal with the best road racer over the last two or three races in the series. And he did it. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't make a mistake, but got away with it. Yeah. He, but he got it done. He made it happen. And that was the thing we weren't seeing from Chase. We were seeing speed. We were seeing good restarts. We were seeing all those things. We weren't seeing closing the deal. On that day, he closed the deal against one of the very best. And when you have that kind of day, as opposed to other people breaking, running out of fuel, that tells you and everybody else you can do it if you put yourself in that situation. And since then, you know, that's, he's won three of 11 since Watkins Glen. Confidence matters. 
That seemed to be a turning point. I wonder, he has capitalized, executed, like you said, on a pair of mistakes from the other championship contender that I think you could say is without question the one that is looking towards the championship in Kevin Harvick. Is there any reason to think that Chase Elliott cannot win a championship at all? Um, no, I think he can win a championship. I mean, he, listen, Kevin Harvick went to Dover trying to win the race. Chase Elliott won it. Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick went to this last week at Kansas, attempting to win the race, but yet Chase Elliott won it. That is what Miami, I think Chase Elliott, and listen, every driver. When, at the beginning of the year when you talk to drivers, they don't talk about winning a championship. They all say, and I quote, I want to be in Miami with a chance to win a championship. They know how difficult one race to win a championship can be, but we're not there yet. First, they have to find their way out of this round of eight. I think this is going to be the most difficult round, not just because of the drivers, but because of the tracks, the points. There's so much ahead of them. Can he win a championship? Yes. But that's still a long three weeks away before that opportunity starts. The other thing that he has now that he didn't have in March and April is a fast race car. Yeah. They have more speed now than they had early in the year, and a lot of pressure was put on Chevrolet. It was a new car. Chevrolets aren't working very well. That's all we heard. Do we hear that anymore? I mean, I haven't heard that conversation in a while that the Chevys just don't have speed. So, you know, when we talked about the Chevys not having speed, that was really a conversation in my eyes about Hendrick Motorsports not having speed. They've gotten better. All the cars at Hendrick have gotten better. Chase and his team right now are the best at Hendrick, so they're doing the best with it. And, and so he has something to deal with that he didn't have before. And when you as a driver – and you as a crew chief are working on something that when you unload it off the trailer, it's faster, your job becomes easier, and everything falls into place. You, I cannot tell you how much easier it is to get your business done when you have a car that unloads off the, track, off the trailer fast. Can put you in a completely different situation. Definitely better rested. I was going to say, Sleep well, way better. Listen, we know that it's probably going to be a pretty good week at the race shop. A lot of work still ahead. Like yeah, you said, plenty of work to do. Um, but earlier today, we did get the latest from the Hendrick shop. Dave Burns spoke with Elliot's crew chief, Alan Gustafson. Hey, Carolyn, I had to do a double take when I saw a picture of Dad Bill and Chase and Victory Lane holding up the three because I was like, it's three already? I mean, a lot of people predicted, Alan that once he got the first one, they would start coming in. Is that how you saw it? No, I can't say that I did. No, it's, you just never know, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you look back through the, all the races that uh, we finished second in or felt like we should have won, and, and uh, there was a lot of those. So to uh, kind of be winning those races now and, and, and winning them uh, two out of the three, um, yeah, it's, it's a great feeling and certainly something that uh, we don't take for granted. Walk us through yesterday's win because on Saturday the nine car didn't exactly light up the practice sheet and I don't think we knew where you stood at the beginning of the day. Yeah, we weren't surprised by that. Um, you know, we tested there and the test went really well, but our car even at the test just didn't take off very fast. So we knew we needed green flag running. You know, if it was a race that was littered with cautions and short runs, we probably weren't going to be able to win. Um, and fortunately for us, we got long green and, and that was, that was our, our strong suit. Heard you talking after the race about uh, how impressed you were with the speed and, and that being at a mile and a half track. What did it show you about your program that you didn't see from the road course win that you didn't see from the Dover win? Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't really see us winning a mile and a half this year. I felt like we were kind of too far behind in development and uh, everybody here proved me wrong and proved me they could do uh, <laughs> amazing things and, and uh and uh, I'm glad for it. Nice when the shot pushes past the expectations of the crew chief, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were working really hard, and I, and I knew that uh, we, could in, we could gain and we could improve. Um, and, uh, you know, to get to the point where we could outrun, um, you know, the 18 and, and the four and those guys was going to be tough, and, and they did it.
obviously last year you proved you could run well at Martinsville. How excited are you to get back there and start the round of eight? Yeah, I love that place. You know, it's that place is one of my favorite tracks, and, and it's so much fun. And, you know, it's a tough track. It's a tough track to get results on. It's a tough track to win at, and hopefully we're right in the middle of all of it. But, but the whole round, though, numbers-wise, looks good for Chase. So how does that make you feel optimistically, just knowing that at least history is on his side before we ever get there? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge not believer in those guy. things. No. <laughs> you know, it's like... Uh, to me, it's like if you've had tons and tons of success at, at one place, it's like setting yourself up not to have the success, right? So certainly those are tracks that uh, uh, we like to race at, Texas probably being our weakest uh, since the reconfig, but obviously the result in Kansas makes us feel better about that. But uh, yeah, we'll take one race at a time and, and see if we can't uh, get that nine to victory lane again. All right, you okay if we make this a weekly segment if uh, the winning crew chief deal? Yeah, as long as it's for winning. I don't want to talk to you for any reason than winning. So <laughs> <laughs> He gets the W, we show up here at Carolyn, it will work out well. <laughs> Come on, who doesn't want to talk to Dave Burns? That was a cheap shot. No, I'm sure that they are thrilled to, to have Dave over there at the shop today. In case you're not entirely familiar with Alan Gustafson's resume, he has yeah. worked with a number of championship caliber drivers. Jeff Gordon at the back end of his career. You've noted Kyle Busch, Mark Martin as well. Does it yeah. surprise you at all that he has been able to do this with Chase Elliott? Not at all. I think um, if you go back, Alan Gustafson and Kyle Busch were matched together and they found great success both on Saturdays and Sundays for business reasons and many other reasons, Kyle Busch no longer stayed at Hendrick Motorsports. And I thought Alan made the most of it. He was lined up with Mark Martin at the end of his career, Jeff Gordon at the end of his career, and nothing against Mark and Jeff. I think Alan learned a lot and relished the opportunity to race with those guys. But when he got a young driver, a what we all consider a soon-to-be superstar driver, I think he really thought this was his chance to leave a mark on his career, to add to his resume. And I think that this is going to be a long-standing relationship it took a long time to get here, a lot of seconds. I only think that disappointment only is fueling what you're seeing more, and now they know the opportunity they have ahead of them. Can I just add one thing? On Victory Lap after the race, we got so many tweets from fans on social media proclaiming immediately that Chase Elliott is the next <laughs> Jimmy Johnson. Oh. I mean, people were saying, hate to tell you this, but early surprise, Chase Elliott is the next Jimmy Johnson. I just wonder... With a crew chief that has dealt with so many impressive veterans towards the back end of their career, to be in a position now with a young driver who is, by all means, a star, what responsibility do you take in managing those kinds of expectations, or is it on the driver? Well, let's win the first championship. I was going to say. <laughs> like, he may be on his way to be I, the next I, Kyle yeah, Busch or Brad Keselowski, but uh, I, I, I made 80 <laughs> short and seven <laughs> championships. I'm out of fingers. I made a comment last year that I thought Chase Elliott and, and Alan Gustin had taken charge of Hendrick Motorsports. And I got a lot of nasty tweets about that. Uh, but, you know, let's win your first race and let's win your first championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, that's a, you know, to start comparing him and Allen to Jimmy and Chad's not fair. That's just not a fair thing to do. Do they have the ability to get there? Yeah, they no. probably do. But it's a long way between my your larger, first challenges and seven. Of course. My larger point is, though, does he need to manage all those expectations as his crew chief? Well, I think he has to manage the expectation of being the son of a Hall of Famer. He has to manage the expectation of driving for Rick Hendrick, who, who creates Hall of Famers. Um, you know, by the way, got to remember, I know the card numbers have changed, but this is Jeff Gordon's team. I don't care what number's on the door. Oh, by the way, he's won four championships and 90-something races. I mean, everywhere he goes is the right thing for his career, but every one of them comes with very, very big shoes. Mm -hmm. And I think I have never once seen him shy away from it. He's done it his own way. He's done it with his own confidence. Uh, both on top of the pit box and Alan Gustafson and in the driver's seat with uh, Chase. I just think they have this comfort, um, which is surprising because, to your point, it is an uphill battle and there's a lot of pressure. And they, and they will have to evolve their relationship. 
you talked to, talk to Jeff Gordon about his relationship with Ray Evernham, there was a time where if Ray Evernham said, I need you to do this, Jeff would listen. And Jeff got to the point where he's like, listen, I don't need you to tell me that anymore. Right? right? And that, and so... Thank goodness, because then I got a shot. So. <laughs> so, relationships evolve, not only from year to year, but from race to race. And so now... These two are going back to Martinsville, a place they had a chance to win last year, ran pretty good in the spring. Their relationship and what they expect of each other will be different than it was in the spring at Martinsville. So it's always an evolving process. But could they win championships together? No question. Will it be this year? I don't know. They got their work cut out for them. But uh, I, I, I feel pretty good about their opportunity to be in Homestead. I do because it's not just Martinsville. You, you know, you mentioned Texas. He, he kind of was sly on Phoenix. Let me tell you. Hendry Motorsports, when you went to Phoenix, you saw how Allen was going to unload. He's won there with all of his cars, with Mark, with Kyle. He f- has figured out that really trickle, tricky, flat track in the desert. I know they moved the start-finish line, but it's still the same shape. I would be leaning on his setup. All right, we'll file that away for another early prediction. We're just getting started. Here's what we've got in store for the rest of the show. It's a big one. Plenty to talk about. Four more drivers feeling the cut of playoff elimination on Sunday at Kansas. We're going to break down what went wrong for them during the round of 12. As for Stuart Haas Racing, their drivers now make up half of the remaining playoff field. How did they get here? How many can make it all the way to Miami? Kyle Busch was not surprised about Chase Elliott's run at Kansas. You will not want to miss his reaction to the nine car being a potential title contender. Plus, Sunday Night Football's Michelle Tafoya goes for hot laps around Kansas Speedway with our own Jeff Burton. All coming up here on NASCAR America. Stay with us. We'll be right back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Oh, the grandfather clock is ticking now. Tensions running high. Eight drivers, four races. Who's going to be the first to reach the championship? Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs coming to Martinsville Sunday, 2.30 Eastern, right here on NBCSN is where you need to be for that. Half of the playoff field is gone. Today we are looking at how the drivers got to this point. Let's start by hearing from those who were eliminated at Kansas. It's definitely frustrating, these three races. We've run a lot better than we finished. Even today we ran better than we finished, but... um, you know, it's just cool to be a part of and um, shoot from when you and I were, were driving Xfinity cars and, and cup cars riding around in the back together. To come from that to this is uh, is pretty cool to, to be a part of. Not a lot of people have gotten that opportunity and uh, very blessed to have done that. I didn't think we had the speed. The nine or the four did. The four had to come back in, but the nine was super fast and uh, I don't know, messed up and uh, cost us a good shot, but thank Wrangler and Menards and Rigs work for doing what they do, and uh, the whole 12 team, they, they deserve uh, a lot better than that, so um, that was unfortunate on my part. Got wrecked at Dover and ran out of gas when the race ran long at Talladega, and uh, had a good day here today. Today is kind of like what we should have had the other two weeks, and that would have been more than enough, but uh, that's not the way the brakes fell. It kind of fell against us, but uh, and we, we weren't able to overcome that, but uh, all, all in all, I'm still proud of the races we won and, and that effort and just uh, uh, be proud of what we got, not what we don't. I'm actually glad that nothing stupid took us out of the playoffs this year. Um, we had that battery come out at Dover a couple years ago, blew up an engine here last year. Um, so, I mean, obviously I would have liked to have made it into the next round, but I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't anything other than just us not performing where we needed to be that uh, – kept us out of the next round. So um, just try and you know, figure out uh, how to make our cars better and, and you know, 
guess try and figure out this this new package that we're running next year and, and try and be prepared and, and be good all season long. How did Kyle Larson get here? Well, I mean, he got here with an impressive regular season into the playoffs, and he was eliminated from the playoffs. And I go back and I look at the Roval. I mean, he started with a second at Las Vegas, mile and a half, kind of like I expected, seventh at Richmond. Not great, but okay. And I know he advanced out of the Roval, but that highlight film of wrecking and not making it, he ran great. Like, he was in, we were in the booth, and we, props, maybe had forgotten he was even, could be eliminated until that big accident. And, and he, he come, comes around and they tie. And something about that emotional finish in my mind just knocked the wind out of the sails for the 42 car. He goes to Dover, a place that he should run great, runs 12th. Talladega, inexcusable how slow that car was all weekend long. I think you just can't put yourself in that position where you go to Kansas in a must win. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to put, you know, everybody thinks Kyle Larson is a great race car driver, and I agree. I think that the team has to take a tremendous amount of responsibility about how slow they were at Talladega. That put Kyle Larson in a, in a terrible spot as a driver. And then if all the reports we heard about the backup car – at Kansas was the car that was put on early in the year and didn't have updates on it. You can't do that. You cannot compete against Stuart Haas and Penske and, and Hendrick and all those guys with a car in a cutoff race that, is, that doesn't, have the, doesn't have the updates in it. And, and, and I don't know that's a fact, but that was the report we kept hearing. And that's just something that can't happen, even if you got to take the best car from the one car. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you got to do. People take the best crew, best pit crews from the best from the car that's not in the playoffs you just got to do what you have to do in that situation and if that report was true I just don't think that was that was good planning and then the speed they had at Talladega the team is going to have to find a way to be able to focus on more things now you heard Kyle Larson mention next year's package that's the hope the hope is with less aero packages and less engine combinations that maybe that'll help a team that doesn't quite have the fun that Hendrick has uh, but but you're going to have to bring your very best stuff every single week if you're going to beat Stuart Haas and you're going to beat Hendrick. Larson's been loyal to Chip Ganassi, but it seems like something needs to change within the organization, especially with how outspoken he was during the round of these playoffs and at Talladega. Let's move on to Ryan Blaney and Brad Keselowski. Joey Logano, the Penske driver who is still in the playoffs. I don't know if anybody would have said that heading into this, Jeff. Well, yeah, so, so to me, I, uh, Ryan and Brad, you know, Brad got that wreck at Dover, but none of us doing. But Talladega, you yeah. know, quite simply, they ran well at Talladega. They didn't have the speed of Stuart Austin. There you go, 29th and 27th, ran out of fuel. And you know what's not up there? Joey Logano's fifth. So there's your difference. You take Team Penske, two outside of the top 25, because they didn't have enough gas to run yep. overtime. And it was overtime. I mean, in, in, the, in the defense of the crew chiefs, that's a difficult thing to do is to plan for overtime. If you always plan for overtime, there's a lot of races you wouldn't win because of pitch strategy. So – when I look at them and I look at one, okay, what was the incident that took them out yeah. simply running out of fuel at Talladega? I, well, I have that circle, but I was going to say, and Stuart Haas didn't give them a chance to win either. Yeah. You, you know, like Brad, I'm not saying they, they had to win that race, but Stuart Haas had a stranglehold on that race. That made the fuel situation even more drastic. Definitely going to get into them a little bit later on the show, but just very quickly, Alex Bowman, how should he be feeling after this playoff run? I'm glad to hear he was disappointed because I feel he overachieved. And I like when a driver overachieves but still feels the disappointment of not advancing. Um, listen, no offense to Greg Ives and the 88, but Hendrick Motorsports was off all year long. Um, I have the 88 consistently the third of the 400 cars behind Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott. Yet, when it mattered most, when the playoffs started, this team got better. His drive at the Roval was as pressure-packed as they come with – 
Clint Boyer was on his rear bumper every lap. One mistake was going to eliminate him, and in the end, it just became too much, couldn't perform. But look, it's playoffs. Everybody can advance. I think Alex Bowman should feel really good about what they did. I agree, and this experience is going to make them better. This experience of grinding their way as far as they did in the playoffs, that's hard to do. It's easy to take a fa- easier to take a fast car and get a good finish with it, but those guys didn't have quite the speed that some others did that they went further in the playoffs in. They learned how to grind. They learned the, ex- the experience of what it feels like to be in a playoffs. That will help them moving forward. I hope that they step back and say, you know what, this was pretty good. This was a pretty good year. It might take a couple days, but hopefully that feeling yeah. will start to come around. We mentioned Stuart Haas Racing. They continue their march to Miami. All four of their drivers remain in title contention, and that is where we're headed next. What made the difference for them in the round of 12? We'll discuss when NASCAR America continues. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody. It would be unprecedented. One organization fielding all four drivers in the championship race. That prospect still live for Stuart Haas Racing. Their four drivers advanced to the round of eight. And Dave Burns has more from SHR headquarters in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Hey, guys. I'm at Stuart Haas Racing today to give you the top four reasons why Stuart Haas has all four of its drivers in the round of eight. Number four. Number four, Kevin Harvick, of course, the 2014 champion with the race savvy and the race winning and the lap leading that he's done in 2018, this organization can lean on him. You can see it at the racetrack, you can feel it in this building. Number three, champions. Between drivers, crew chiefs, over the wall crew, engineers, support staff, this organization has a lot of championship winning people from the 2011 championship with Tony Stewart and the 2014 run of Kevin Harvick. Number two, playoff and stage points. Through the last round, Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, Kurt Busch, they all leaned on the points they have accumulated through the year. And what about Eric Almarola? When the playoff started, he'd already won a bunch of stage points throughout the season, but he gained 15 in the two weeks leading up to the Roval. And then what happened? He got skunked as far as stage points go at the Roval, tied at the end of the day, and of course, because of a good finish in the round, went on because of the tiebreaker. And the number one reason why Stuart Haas Racing has all four in the round of eight? Being a teammate at the right time so you can be number one when it counts. Think what Eric Almarola did at Talladega. All day long, he was the third or fourth running Stuart Haas Racing car. Yeah, he could have been selfish and said, I want to lead laps. I want to be up front. My car is a better leader, but he didn't. And it counted for him in the end when he had more fuel by being back in the draft. So that's your top four reasons right there. I would have done 10, but uh, that's patented. <laughs> Ode to David Letterman there from Dave Burns, who's fitting right on target with our theme of the day, which is how these Stewart Haas Racing drivers get there. Just a question that I was kind of mulling around before the show about this organization. you got four cars in the playoffs. Is that It's great for the organization, I can only imagine, but is that a good thing or a bad thing for executing with all these cars moving forward? As a crew chief, I would prefer not to have four. Um, You know, the advantage of losing cars, why it's an awful thing to say, is that you have the advantage to kind of take what you need, whether that's a tire changer or equipment or parts or pieces or personnel. With four racing for a championship, the priority then becomes that all four should have the best. That becomes very difficult, Jeff. As a driver, I'd prefer not to have four, but I don't want to be the one that's not in it. <laughs> that's the problem. So what intrigues you the most about this group? So I, I think for me, I mean, Eric Amarola, what he's done to get here has been really, really, really impressive. He had a must-win situation. He went and got, got it done. 
Uh, moving forward, my concern is the racetracks that are coming up. If you look at the success that he's had at Phoenix and Martinsville, not, it's probably on the bottom end of the guys he's competing against. That would be my biggest concern. Yeah, I, I think Eric Almirola, there was a big chance for the wheels to come off. And, and what I mean by that, he's, he tied at the Roval much like Kyle Larson. We saw Kyle Larson not really recover. Then Eric goes, and he looks like he could win Dover. This guy has only had one other win. This is a big moment. He wrecks. Another emotional, just a crushing blow. Yet he somehow comes back and wins Talladega. And I think that's the big thing when I look at the 10 team is they recovered. When I look at Clint Boyer, it's all about Talladega. He did not have the round he probably needed. When you look at the finishes, 35th at Dover, he had that just a bad day, mechanical issue with a ball joint. But they, he was the fortunate one that had enough gas to run second at Talladega and then squeak through at Kansas. Uh, I don't know. Kurt Busch is just kind of the grinder. They just kind of yeah. do decent every day. No, nothing great, nothing bad. They're going to have to step up. Their current performance won't get them into the Final Four. On oh, Clint Boyer, he was fantastic at Martinsville in the spring. Dominated the race, won the race, gained 55 points yeah, right. at one race. And, and if he can go back and do that again this week, he's moving on. So it wouldn't, <laughs> as good as they ran at Martinsville, it wouldn't surprise me. If Clint Boyer and his team get off to a slow start, though, against this competition, it's going to be hard to overcome it. Well, Kevin Harvick got here despite his mistakes. I mean, his regular season got him here, right, because they had a valve stem knocked off at Dover, and then they had a speeding penalty at Kansas. So you want to know what the regular season was? Ask Kevin Harvick. I know the points looked like he was safe and he was in, but if he comes in with zero playoff points, it becomes much more stressful. You know, when fans say, I don't like this point system because it's just the playoffs, well, look at what happened to Clint Boyer and look at what Kyle Busch have been doing. Those points that they earned in the regular season have been huge. No one gave them those points. They went and earned them. But without those points that they earned, those guys, their playoffs could look completely different. You got Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott in the mix. Is it? Are you prepared to say now, as we enter into this next round of the playoffs, that it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility for all of these SHR cars to make it to Homestead? I don't see the SHR cars eliminating Kyle Busch. He's too good at too many racetracks. But... I didn't have SHR dominating Talladega. I didn't have Eric Almarola with a chance to win Dover. Would it, would it be unfair to push Eric Almarola to the side at this point, despite a win that a lot of people didn't see I, coming? I have him in front of Kurt Busch. If you, if you want me to rank the Stuart Haas cars, I have Kevin Harvick, one. I have Clint Boyer because of Martinsville, two. I have Eric Almarola, three. I have Kurt Busch, four. And I just think it's Eric Almarola is having a career year. I mean, he doesn't even look like he touches the ground when he walks through the garage. I think it could continue. I disagree because of Martinsville and Phoenix. I think Kurt Busch is better at Martinsville and Phoenix. But by that much. I, I think that, that what Eric has done and the confidence that he has, and remember the conversation around Kurt is he's not going to be there next year. That has a way of making Very things more difficult as well. Time. So, uh, yeah, but, but to get all four in the final four, <laughs> I mean, that would be crazy if they could make that Such happen. It's an incredible accomplishment for the organization if they were managed to pull that off. But there are a number of talented drivers. Oh, yeah. I would put Chase Elliott in that category based on what he's done in that last round that could potentially get in their way without question. We are going to turn our attention to the big three when we come back because we've mentioned Kevin Harvick and we've touched on Kyle Busch. There's a lot more there. And, oh, by the way, Martin Truex Jr. is a driver that is worthy of discussion. The dominance between the big three has eroded in these playoffs. But which of them is really at risk of being stopped short in Miami? We're going to discuss that when we come back. Stay with us. Were you surprised at all that Chase was able to seem to improve so much during the race and also can you kind of handicap Bob, do I round? care about the nine? Well, you, you, you should if he's... Why? If, because he won here 
And if he if if that means that he won here and you're racing mile and a half, so that makes him a uh, okay. That makes him a contender, right? If I'll, I if I look at this race, <laughs> okay. Uh, he was he was really good here when we tested here. So we knew he was going to be a force to be reckoned with. He didn't feel like he was going to be here before the race. I spoke with him a little bit, and he was kind of leery about how his car was. But I told him that he was going to be fine. You know, he just it looked like our cars were still really similar to one another, and just as similar as they were when we tested here together. So uh, it wasn't it didn't surprise me that that he was that fast. I don't think it was necessarily us getting our cars better throughout the race as much as it was that. Um, track position played a role it just seemed like it was so hard to pass once everybody got around the top and was and was rolling the wall <laughs> Bob Pockris gets my media playoff trophy for for standing up for himself and, and asking a question that he felt needed to be asked but I I'm more curious about how you interpret that reaction from Kyle Busch is this an edgy driver or this is Kyle Busch yeah Kyle Busch doesn't care about who he's rate so as much as Kyle Busch would frustrate me He's one of the drivers on my list that I wish I would have got a chance to crew chief because it's just raw ability. Now, I may drag him out of the car by his helmet at some point because he is, he is, that's who he is. And that's what I love about him at the same time, right? He is so talented and so driven and so focused. He kind of snapped at Bob because in his mind, it's how dare you ask me about another competitor. I control what I do. I control what our team does. It's not him. It's me. Ask me about my day. And I think that's, Kyle Busch, and, and I don't think he's wrong. Track position does play a key. As good as that's Chase Elliott is. That's a lot of elite athletes, by the way. Well, yeah. Don't ask anybody about anybody else. You know what I yeah. think his answer was? Is that what you ought to be asking me about is a four car. Yeah. Because he, what he's saying is the only reason either one of us finished where we did was because of track position. Mm -hmm. Had the four not had trouble, had people not had trouble in a race, he doesn't think that they were good enough to finish where they finished. What I saw from that answer was frustration that they don't have the speed that they need. And it wasn't, it wasn't, well, the nine car won the race because they had this fabulous car. It was, he won the race because he got track position, and I finished where I finished because I got track position. That's what I heard from that. Yeah, but look, let's look at his playoffs. Las Vegas, seventh. Richmond, he won. The Roval specialty throw it out, 32nd. Wrecked. Big wreck. Dover, eighth. Talladega, another plate track, 26th. And second in Kansas. He's inside the top 10 at every oval, basically, other than a restricted plate track. This 18 car is not letting up. Uh, and I think what Kyle Larson, I love to hear what drivers have to say about other drivers. And Larson, in his interview after the race, said, well, I was trying to catch Kyle Busch, and yeah. he doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, he That's did right. say That's that. That's said a lot. Like, when you tell another driver, well, he, like, I try to make a big pass to go by him because he doesn't make mistakes. I know I wasn't getting by him. That says a lot about the strength of that team. I made a comment about Chase Elliott and his team. They have more speed now than they did early in the year. The 18 has less. Okay. The 18 does not have the speed in comparison to their competition that we saw from them early in the so year. So let's do everybody a favor now that we're really deep into the playoffs and kind of dismiss this notion that the big three is still a thing, right? Oh, yeah. Like let's let's just officially dismantle all of that. In the summer, before we're even kind of thinking about the playoffs, maybe three weeks out sometime in August or July, you said that you did not expect somebody in that group of Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. to make the playoffs. You essentially said that it, it may be two. Now it, um, to the Miami, not the playoffs. Now I'm wondering, are there two of these drivers that's not going to make it? Do, do we all feel that Kevin Harvick is safely a lock to get there? Oh, I, the way I look at it is there's going to be four drivers that race for a championship in Miami and two heavyweights are already in. 
and I think Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick had, didn't have a good round. We just talked about the mistakes they made, and he was still fine. Kyle Busch is still fine, and they can both win at the next three tracks. That makes them doubly scary in my mind. So the question is, what's the undercard? And the difference is, unlike two boxing matches, the undercard can win the big title if they perform in the final race. That's my question. Who's going to join them? I don't think Martin Truex makes it. I just don't. I think that they've done a great job of trying to protect their team from the news, but the simple fact is, we are four weeks from a championship, and we are four weeks away from an entire shop of people losing their job. And that's fact. That's life. That's what they're trying to deal with out there in Colorado. And I think we're starting to see. When's the last time you saw Kevin Harvick, before, I mean, excuse me, Martin Trex Jr., not lead laps in a mile-and-a-half track? Okay, I, I, I agree with part of what he's saying, and I disagree with part of what he's saying. Number one, no one's a lock. Because one bad race, and now you're playing catch-up. So, and then if you, with Martinsville and Phoenix, you can add bad races. Like, that is not unheard of. So, I don't think anybody's a lot, but I think it would take special circumstances for the 18 and the 4 not to move along. Although Martin Truex Jr. has not had the speed that they had early in the year, they have more speed than everybody that's racing to take that third or fourth spot. Like, who, who, is, who is running better than Martin Truex Jr. from the guys behind him? So, who's trying to take him out of the big three? I haven't seen it from I haven't seen it from Boyer. I haven't seen it. I mean, Amarola's been running pretty really well lately. But you're going to have to do better than just run with him. He has more points than you have. He has more points than you got. You got to go get. You got to outperform them on a weekly basis, not just run with them. Well, we're we're entering the Jimmy Johnson round of the playoffs. I call him that because he has single-handedly won the championship in this round. Martinsville, Texas, Phoenix. Texas is an odd mile and a half, but Martinsville and Phoenix is 78. That, those are not 78-type racetracks. That's where I think I think Clint Boyer can outrun them. He finished fourth at Martinsville in the spring and fifth in, at Phoenix in the spring. I don't think it'll be good So enough. we talk about him not – that fourth and fifth with as many points as he has, the advantage of points that he has based on what they dig in the regular season, if he finishes fourth and fifth at Phoenix and finishes sixth or seventh at, at Texas – He's in the Martinsville. I disagree because I have two different winners. I don't. I don't. I think you're only going to get two cars, maybe one in on points. You can remember that winning your end is going to that winning your end is going to change everything. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if Eric Amarola or Kurt Busch or or Clint Boyer is standing in victory lane at Martinsville, that big three, they're going to get together in Texas and be like, we got it. Whoa, we are, we have some big trouble here. If you, yeah. get two, if you get two winners, oh. uh, you're 100 correct. And at that point, Truex probably can't outrun Kyle Busch and 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 uh, Kevin Harvick, but Again, fourth and fifth at Martinsville Phoenix. Not a great short track winner, but he has a lot of good finishes at short tracks. So really, we don't really know what. Of course, we don't. What the future holds. <laughs> okay, just, just, just to be clear, just be clear. If your crystal ball, we just did. If yeah. your crystal ball said Eric Amarola is going to win one and Chase Elliott's going to win two in the second round, then you were in the wrong yeah, career. Exactly. If let us know was, if we knew it was going to happen. <laughs> let, us, we, let, we us if, let us know if you did have that inkling because I need massive help in my fantasy team. We'll talk about that later in the show. But first, we do want to touch on something great that happened over the weekend. Football's Michelle Tafoya knows what speed looks like on the field, but this weekend she found out what it feels like on the track. Jeff, we're going to take another look at Michelle's ride around Kansas when we come back. This Sunday night, all eyes will be on the rematch of the Minneapolis Miracle. Drew Brees leads the Saints back to Minnesota, where they will face Kirk Cousins and the Vikings on Sunday night football. Football Night in America is at 7 Eastern with kickoff at 820 Sunday night 
only on NBC. There was some fun crossover on our team last night. Chiefs game in Kansas City, Missouri, and then the race being in Kansas City, Kansas. And that included Jeff Burton in his Toyota Camry as Michelle Tafoya rode shotgun. There's Michelle in her fire suit, climbing into the car. Oh, well done. A plus. Yeah. I mean, no problem. A plus plus. And then the fun really started. Well, Michelle Tafoya, it's great having you here. Uh, great weekend for us at NBC. We got the race on Sunday. We got the football game on Sunday. This gives us a chance to show you what being in a race car is like. We're going to go in about 185 right now. Wow. You see how wide the racetrack is? Pretty smooth, not rough. This is crazy. They say Tyreek Hill is bad. Right up against the wall. Whoa, whoa. These turns, this is not my favorite part, the turns. They make you a little nauseous. But the vibration is amazing to be going this fast. And my body can feel the vibration of the car, but I'm not moving at all. I'm so secure in the seat. I can't believe my life is in your hands right now. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're good. So Michelle was really appreciative that Jeff knows how to drive so responsibly. In fact, she elaborated a little on Sunday Night Football. The NASCAR race was here at Kansas Speedway. So yesterday, our Michelle Tafoya, there she was. Look at what she gets into that car. Oh yeah, look at that look. Look at, look at that look. Wait, 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 what are you gonna do? Right, she said she loved it. Then she said she did that, and then you got a little seasick in the car on the way home. <laughs> what? Just a little. Yeah. Just a little. That thing, you know, I've, it was like being Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Should have done a backflip. Beautiful. So, Michelle, give us a, a little recap here, exactly what it was like for you. Well, you talk about going by that wall, you know, and Jeff Burton, who drove me, was terrific. But you get so close to that wall, it is unbelievably terrifying, but kind of exhilarating, too. And... I was surprised how calm I was, but they got you in there so securely that really, you're not really moving. The car's vibrating, but you're just kind of part of the car. It was it was something. And you did about 180 miles an hour, That's right? That's right. That's right. I've seen her drive that fast on the freeway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think Michelle Zafoya has the mental fortitude and toughness to be a race car driver. Sounds like it. There's no doubt, but she didn't ask my opinion. She would have never climbed in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been fun. She was awesome. Yeah. She, she got in. She had enthusiasm. We've had people do that. They get really scared right, and want to get right, out. Right. She was like, I want in. I want you to tell me what's going to be happening, but I want in. She was so much fun. So much enthusiasm. We got well, ran into her at the ball at the at the game that night as well. She was just still happy about doing it. A lot of people were like, I wish I hadn't done that, but she was really excited about it. Fun it's time. Such a great time for you to go over to the game after. Oh, it was great. And you know, that's the beauty of working at NBC is such professionals with that football group to kind of help us how they prepare and how they cover the race. We went with Dale Jr. Dogs. Well, Dale Jr. smart. He's learned to stand the closer you stand to the camera, the taller you look. So he's the first one in every picture. But uh, yeah, that was pregame. Such great professional group. You talk about two in the business to aspire to and hope to have a resume like Alan Chris not only are some of the nicest guys in the business, but they are as professional as they come. Oh yeah, I asked that Al. I said how how long have you been doing this, right. right? And he's like, oh, 50 or something. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm on year four. And I'm thinking, wow, man, that is, they, they were, you, I mean, they were so welcoming, so accommodating. I mean, it was, a, it was a really good time. Great experience. And we talk about preparing. I mean, they have two teams, right? It's like 100 players every single week. Um, so we talk a lot about how we prepare for each sport individually.
he has such a huge body of work. If you read his book, you can just hear everything he's done over the course of his career, but they are so prepared. I mean, oh, yeah. what they do for Sunday Night Football each week is phenomenal. That that uh, the call for the Olympic hockey game. Oh, I mean, yeah, cool. yeah. wow. That's, yeah. I mean, his voice will go down forever. That's, he's a legend. He's a legend. All right, uh, coming up next, fantasy results from the weekend. Somebody at this table had their championship driver eliminated. We'll, uh, we'll tell you who it was when we come back. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. He's picked the pace up. Now, as he works his way from the grandstand, one lap to go. Chase Elliott, down the backstretch for the final time. Two wins already in 2018. Four races left in the playoffs. Chase Elliott looking for that cup. Lee Diffie looking for bragging rights. Look at this guy. Still leading our broadcasters in our NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Jeff and Steve hanging inside the top five. Very respectable, I must say, what you guys are doing. Yeah, I'm going to call the rugby folks to tell Lee has to work more. Because I think he's been able to study more <laughs> notes than us. We've been working. Oh, that's not fair. But, uh, no, the fantasy sport. game's fun. It's the bonus points. I'm never good on the bonus picks. Yeah. What about you? Did you know how you were doing? How you were stacking up with everybody? I knew I was okay, but I don't really check my league standings. And mm -hmm. Rick just, and Steve just pulled it up for me. Yeah. <laughs> Showed <it> to me. <laughs> Unfortunately, your champion is Kyle Larson. What say you about that? You're just trying well, to get so, a little bit risky. So, Look, picking the same as everybody else does me no good. I was looking for the – I'm a gambler. I was a gambler on top of the pit box. I gambled in fantasy, and I rolled a seven, and I'm out because Kyle Larson's out. You have Kevin Harvick? I do. And Kevin I selected Harvick. Kyle Busch. Oh, so you guys went really far out on the limb. Yeah, well, I go chalk well, all the time. Win. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I go chalk all the time. I'm very far outside the top five for some reason. I don't know. Well, there's other points still available. But as we wrap this, this conversation up about how we got here, just quickly, everyone that is here – is supposed to be here right now, in your opinion? Well, I, I love it. When I look at the eight drivers, we talked, right? There's some have points and some have this, but I'm serious when I say the concern for those high point guys is win. I think all eight of these drivers can win at these different racetracks. It's going to make the next three races outstanding. Yeah, some more than others, but there'd be no surprise that any of these guys go to, to Miami with a chance to win a championship. They've all proven why they deserve to be here. Some have to step it up a little more than others at this point in the year, but when I look at these final eight, it's, there's no cakewalk. There's no just walk to Miami because of this competition. We haven't had that moment yet, you know, when helmets get thrown and fists maybe throw. When we saw last year, we're it was at Martinsville. I'm telling we're you. We can't wait to get there, but we've got a full week at NASCAR America in the meantime to get you ready. That's all for now, though. You can always log on to NBCNews.com, NASCAR News. Check it out. You can get the late from Nate Ryan uh, latest. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.